Welcome to the Big Black Clock. If you want to spend the next hour listening to some banter and perhaps accidentally learn something new, then you are in the right place. Now, let's see what the guys have to say. Welcome to the Big Black Clock podcast, episode 169. Giggity. Giggity. I am your host, Kevin, and today we have a good one. Now, what is the best way to start off the year? So, we're going to talk about regret. <laughs> <laughs> the watches that we should have bought. So, this is basically so a multi-part that... episode because we're talking about oh. regrets. No, no, no. Well, I know that you and Carl can speak to us about regret for a long time, but this is about watches. This isn't about your sex life or a Kanye West uh, you know, podcast. Oh, um, I thought uh, Elon Musk... Uh, disappointments yeah. recently. Ain't, ain't nobody got time for that. So we are going to be talking about big black clocks. So keep it focused on that, guys. But before we jump into our sea of sorrows, uh, let's have a quick wrist check. So I can go first. So I don't know if this is new to the podcasts uh, or new to... Um, to the podcast at all, but it's not new to the collection, but it's new to the podcast. So I wore this in New York. This is my Omega uh, Dynamic from the nineties, right? Um, did I did I have this? Did I present this on the podcast? I think just I think so. Though I think it did. I did, huh? But uh, so Omega yeah, Dynamic from the nineties, yellow, yeah, Groundhog Day, yeah, thirty-six millimeter, kind of like a field watch, revived from the seventies version, nude uh, type watch, Breguet numerals um so it's a very i'll say not small well it is small it's 36 millimeter field watch kind of like what what dimitri has the 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 explorer in that sense of the the sizing uh this one's on a you know brown calf leather strap love that for the winter great little watch really underappreciate the size uh, 36 is uh wears really really well and i think that they say you know smaller watches are coming back into style so uh it's good to to have one on what are you wearing carl um, I'm wearing my uh, Spitfire, but I wanted to note that uh, I decided not to sell my Colif Bucurer anymore, so my vintage watch, and set it back to service again because the mainspring kind of give <laughs> give out. As when you start to wind the watch, you just feel that the spring went and go like a full circle and went, and it wasn't holding as um the power as it should. Uh, also, I'm waiting on uh, new custom straps for it from Aaron Bespoke. <clears throat> So nice. I'm, I'm bringing back up, and I'll talk a little bit during the uh, subject today uh, about that watch also and why I'm keeping it. Um, so yeah, that's a quick introduction of uh, Michael F. Booker that's in service right now. Dimitri. Um, so yeah, I'm wearing my um, my Explorer 36 millimeter. I was wearing it to work today, and I just keep working it now and when we were recording in the evening. Um, it's great. And like going back to the, the 36 mil. Uh, initially, when I yeah. when I when I bought it, and I told you guys before, and I mentioned the podcast, it's uh, it felt like it was very small, but then it quickly grew on me. And now it's just it's such a versatile size. It's so easy to wear with absolutely anything, and you never even have a worry, not a worry, but like you know, sometimes if you wear a big watch, occasionally, let's say if you're wearing a sweater or a shirt, like it just it doesn't fit, it doesn't go under a cuff unless you have to like force it to go under, right? So this one is just you almost don't notice that it's there, and it's I think it's. That adds a lot to the value, and that's a it's a very comfortable to wear size. It's not small enough, and 
it's just perfect. Like it's it's perfect, and uh, I'm happy that I made that purchase. You know, I think with anything sub thirty seven, you know, thirty maybe thirty eight, even it just kind of melts away on your wrist. You're right. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I guess yeah, uh, yeah. Like like even the the mine that I have the the diver that's a thirty eight. It's very similar because it's slim. It's thirty eight. It, it just that extra two millimeters that it's smaller in size. It really changes. How how versatile the watch is. Yep, exactly. And I'm also uh, all right. I'm also reducing yeah. my collection. I uh, just uh, one thing that happened over the holidays is that I did sell one of my uh, my uh, my other mine. Chinese. The uh, mm. yeah, well, that was way before. Uh, I sold my uh, Manhattan uh, that I literally bought like a couple months prior. Uh, just uh, you know, just didn't find time on wrist. Like it just didn't uh, didn't fit. Uh, it was a beautiful watch. Nothing absolutely against it. I think it's fantastic. The dial was beautiful. That that uh, uh, Code de Genève pattern is amazing. Like uh, the way it changed color depending on the angle you look at it, and depending on the lighting was amazing. The finish was great. Just for some reason, like it didn't find time on my wrist, and I put it on for sale. And you know the. Uh, you sold it pretty quick then. It sold or is it just up for sale? No, no, I sold it very quickly. But you know what? It's just timing because uh, when I put it up for sale, this was the only watch for sale, the only Manhattan on, on Chrono 24. And uh, it was there for a couple of weeks uh, with no with nobody really messaging me. And then, boom, one day, Watchfinder decides to post a review or, you know, with that beautiful voice behind the scenes and the, the amazing like video quality talking specifically about this watch, right? That specific dial color. And overnight, I right. get something like a hundred messages. <laughs> so I, I, I initially I put it at cost, like I didn't make any money, but uh, I sold it very quickly right away. I would just I basically sold it to a guy in the same city. So like I picked and cho- chose the guy who was the cheapest shipping, and it was the fastest, let's say, uh, delivery time. Um, but then I looked back and I saw there's a few already on Chrono Twenty Four, and they're selling way above cost, like thousand dollars plus. Uh, and the cost is why? Like why are they selling above? Is it be- because I, it was limited? I think there's a lot of demand. Well, the, the thing is that they make it in small batches. So the in, initial batch that I pre-ordered in April that I got in the November uh, immediately sold out. Right. So now they're taking pre-orders for like a February release. But yeah. since the review was posted, I'm assuming people want to get it. And then like there's not a lot of options. You can only buy the ones that have been from the previous batch. Right. So that was it. Uh, I, I felt like it's it, it's the power of YouTube or the power, let's say, of of you know, watch channels is mm-hmm. I've experienced it firsthand and I thought I thought it was pretty cool you know it'd be nice to to experience that for different watches when you put it up for sale you know uh, yeah we'll see I'm gonna put my Ming up for sale tomorrow I think and we'll see how that sells and my Zin I'm doing some sales here yeah your your new Zin your blue Zin yeah the limited one yeah yeah yeah. All right, so that does the, that completes our wrist check. Uh, let's go quickly through some releases. I know we each had a quick release we wanted to share. Maybe I'll go first. The release I wanted to share, it came out a little while back. I'm sure everyone kind of got a chance to see it. But if you didn't, there is a brand called Ultramarine, Ultramarine. Uh, they came out um, with a new diver uh, as part of their collection. So Ultramarine, is a, is a, it was opened by a watchmaking enthusiast called Lionel Bruno. And um, what he did was he en- ended up creating Ultramarine in 2018. Now, what makes this brand so unique, or um, I guess what their credence, their credo is, is that 
everything is manufactured in Switzerland. And it, and it, the, the logo or the, the, the acronym is IOES, which is Intégralement Ouvré en Suisse. And the reason is, is that for any watch enthusiast out there is um, Swiss made needs can only come if 60% of the watch is manufactured in Switzerland. Um, and a caveat to that, that does not include the bracelet, unless it is an integrated bracelet, then the, then that gets included in the percentage uh, of what is required, so to speak, if that makes sense. And so what Ultramarine did was saying, well, because of that, uh, people get, do just enough to get that 60%. They've created a watcher saying, look, we're going to do something that is 100% fully manufactured in Switzerland. So that's the one part of their credence. The second thing is they're also completely transparent about their production methods and their margins, which is around manufacturing cost times two. And then lastly, what they do, they have this whole idea that they're really, really passionate about the oceans. So they've teamed up with the Sea Shepherd France, the French chapter of the most active and radical NGO for ocean defense in the world to help finance their fight. So if any of this, you know, rejoint, uh, if any of this, you know, resonate, uh, resonates with you, uh, this might be a brand you're going to want to look at. So they just released what's called the new ultramarine beluga. A lot of 50 fathoms vibes to it if you have a look at it. And it's like this nice, I think the bezel is made of acrylic. It comes in three versions, the 1111, the black dial and bezel, the 1212, the marine blue dial and bezel, and the 1311. So this watch is in partnership with the Sea Shepherd Friends, which I just mentioned. It's... Um, and that collaboration is has a limited editions of 100 watches. Uh, where they actually share that a large part of that margin, 800 euros of it, will be donated to that association. So quickly, the specs, as we, as we said, entirely manufactured in Switzerland, 40 millimeter uh, diameter, 13.5 in height, 48 millimeters. So pretty much a sweet spot, kind of reminds you of the sub. Um, the movement, really great. Cost certified, Kinesi manufactured 5402. So Kinesi is the man movement manufacturer for who? Tudor. Chanel, Norcain. Uh, and uh, recently, who else now is using a Kinesi? Bell & Ross, the new X5. Bell & Ross used that in their new uh, X5. That's right. So you're looking at a 300-meter diver, cost certified, and 100% fully made in Switzerland. I think it's a very geeky, enthusiast approach. I like the Credence. I like that they really uh, have this nice commitment to the to the to the to the welfare of the ocean. So I'm a fan of this. Not a fan of the price, <laughs> but it would have to try to compete with the Tudor Black Bay, with the you know the uh, Oris's Equus and stuff at that price point. I think it's a very interesting um, concept as a brand. The watch looks good. L could be a little bit. Uh, you could be like some people might say, well, I'm not sure. It looks a lot like a 50 Fathoms. What are they trying to mimic here? I don't know. But it looks good. To me, it looks good. I am, I'm a fan of the watch. It's interesting. I'm looking forward to what Ultramarine is going to keep doing in the future. Um, for me, I, I think uh, when I look at it quickly, it's just a design that gets lost in a sea of similar watches. 
Uh, but when you start looking at the spec and like the whole story, uh, I think you explain, I think that watch is really aimed to, you know, that collector of real independent and like specific uh, spec watches uh, for that front. So for me, I would pr not purchase it for me, but I, I get the, the customer base will. It's really sp right. for a specific crowd, I think. <clears throat> Very cool. All right. So what's the next release here, guys? Um, it's going to be me. Uh, I'm going to quickly talk about a new uh, Britling Top Time. Um, so in the same line of idea, I think, that they did uh, last year, it was 2021, 2022, they did um, the Corvette, Mustang, and Shelby uh, Top Time. I think it was during COVID, to be honest. I, I, have, I recall it, us talking about it. I think we were at Dimitri's, but it was a blur. It was during COVID. So probably 2020, I would think. No, maybe 2021. Probably right? 2020. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a blur. Everything from 2020 yeah. March to like 2022 September. It's a very <laughs> recent gen then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they, in that uh, in that series, there are three watches, right? And there are two of them were 39 and one was 41. The 41 was only two sub-dials, uh, but was a different movement. It was a Calibre 23 from Breitling. It was Cust certified chronometer. The other ones didn't. Um, so they took that recipe and they did a collab with uh, the Australian lifestyle brand, uh, Deus Ec Machina. Deus? 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 <laughs> Deus? Uh, so they Deus. do custom... I mean, it's yeah, God, custom, though, I think, right? In uh, Latin or something? Isn't it? So, maybe yeah. you? God. <laughs> Ex Machina. So. Um, so that brand, they do custom motorcycle. They do, uh, like, outfit for surfers. Uh, it's a, like a lifestyle, really, brand that um, is specific to old vintage motorcycle, surfing, uh, borders, and backpackers. I feel it's still a, a wide approach <laughs> for a lifestyle brand, but they do it. Uh, so they did two limited editions with them. Um, one being, uh, I, don't, I won't say the uh, um, reference number because they're super long with Bretling, uh, but one is, uh, the uh, it's a cream dial ivory uh, with the black um, the camiter and the black sub dials with uh, two tones of orange ends, and the sub uh, and the second hands is a super small uh, thunderbolt. Uh, there's the du the Deuce Deuce uh, logo at six, and the top time uh, branding just over that logo on the black and uh, ivory version. But for me, what really stand out is the light blue version. So same design, same everything, but you remove all the black and you put the baby blue, a light blue on it. And on the tachometer, they even have the two-tone with the red and orange, uh, like on a motorcycle, uh, rev, um, rev counter. And something I'd also really appreciate that they did on that blue version is that top time branding, they removed it from six and they put it under the Brettling logo at 12. So it centered a bit more the Deus logo at six. And I feel that it balanced a lot more to watch. On top, uh, it's a nice blue. I would just go and purchase the blue by, by on its own. Um, but yeah, so it's a 50-50 a co-design between Bretling and uh, DUSS Machina. So the blue version is limited to 2,000 pieces. The black version is 1,500, both same caliber 20, uh, 23, both co-certified at 41 millimeters, 12, uh, 14 millimeters thick, uh, and it's a three bar in water resistance. So uh, it's, it's for, uh, it's a... Um, what they call it for the young and active professionals. That's the that's the demographic they're aiming with that watch. Um, so for me, I think the blue one is, is a, a good win. Uh, the black one is a little miss, I think, on the um, uh, top time uh, name where where it is. Uh, but I can see the, those things being sold out within a year uh, quite easily. Yeah. To me, oh, go ahead, Dimitri. 
no, uh, so yeah, so uh, I kind of, I, yeah, I, I kind of like, uh, I really like this release. I like the colors, actually, to be honest. Uh, not necessarily, the, the blue is amazing. Uh, but for some reason, the, the, the ivory black really kind of stands out to me. It's just the, the contrast of those colors, just visually, for some reason, is, is, stands out. I hope it's actual real ivory, obviously. Hmm. I'm kidding, obviously. Uh, and I hope that the elephants suffered. Yeah, I hope I hope they had to kill the whole family, right? Just to make sure that the kids so, don't yeah, grow just up. to watch it. The, the kids don't grow up and crave revenge. Yeah. Make sure uh, you you stop the, the remove yeah. the whole village. Yeah, uh, amazing. It's a nice looking watch. Um, for six thousand Canadian dollars, you get a cost certified chronograph. That's uh, it's not really. Yeah, it's it's it's. It's a four four hertz. It's a, it's a good size. I like. I, I I'm just trying to think of anything that you can get for a similar price. This to me seems like a good value in general. Like just disregarding the uh, the collaboration and the uniqueness of the the design itself. But the watch, just looking technically at it, is is a pretty good offering. I think for the price. Um, the blue is very nice as well. It's it's a cool little. It's a cool little. I think it's a cool little offering that they have. Uh, fifteen hundred pieces and cost certified. That's pretty good. I, I'm I, I'm really liking this. Yeah, to me, just right amount of blue. Uh, blue obviously is the right color. Um, that uh, thunderbolt hand, very milgossy, very nice. Like the sunken registers. I'm a big fan of the top timeline in general. I mean, guys, if you want one of the best brands out there, Breitling is one of them. You, it is a nice brand to get into. I think that uh, George Kern is doing a great job with that brand. Um, so check out their new lines. This is a great limited edition, but check out the whole top timeline in general. They have some really great stuff. And like Dimitri was saying, a $6,000 chronograph from one of the better brands out there. Uh, there's something for everyone in this brand. And they have a whole other uh, li- year of lineup um a whole bunch of um, of watches in their lineup that are really worth checking out. So yeah, definitely good uh, good good on Breitling. Keep it up. It's good. Their their stuff's looking different, and they're taking more chances, and it's not b- the same old boring stuff, right? Yeah, agree. Yes, very good. Dimitri, what do you got for us? Um, so this one is going to be a, a release uh, from the brand that we interviewed a few weeks ago, right before uh, the holidays. So we had a chance to meet with uh, Francois Moreau from Reservoir and. Uh, talking about his brand Reservoir, that's focusing on creating watches with retrograde movements, and uh, the watch that uh, uh, was recently released, it's it's it was announced on the same actually like a day before our episode, and uh, we have a video version of the podcast where Francois actually showed us the watch right before the before the announcement. Um, it's the uh, collaboration with Label Noir, which is like a design company. Uh, this is a Popeye edition. So usually Reservoir focuses on watches that have to do with either a marine, uh, a sp- aeronautic, or a car, let's say, inspired designs. This is, uh, the, the, but they also has a line of watches that have to do maybe like comic book, uh, cartoon inspiration. So Popeye is this limited edition. There's only 200 pieces re- released. I think it's going to be available, uh, delivered. Delivery starts in January. Uh, this is another one of retrograde movements where you have a, a design of the character Popeye, who everybody knows about. Uh, initially, I think, started in, what, the 1929. Uh, also sells also sells uh, fried chicken. He sells, yeah, yeah he's, uh, he has a side business. I think <laughs> being a cartoon character is his hobby. 
Her main job is uh, a drive-through at Popeyes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> his name is Michael Popeye. His Popeye's his last name. Uh, so, <laughs> so this design is uh, similar to Reservoir's general's style. It's a retrograde movement where his huge forearm, his right hand, is the um, is a retrograde uh, um, minute uh, arrow and. The um, the jumping hour is uh, in a little square at uh, six o'clock. The watch itself is forty six hundred dollars, fifty six hours of power reserves, a four uh, a four hertz movement, um, made out of titanium. Pretty cool, uh, unique, and uh, I think for reservoir in general, it's nice that they do departures from their let's say stand not standard, uh, maybe a better way of saying it, from their uh, usual. Uh, Let's say collections that have to do with the connection to car, to motorsports, to to space and uh, aviation, and to do something you know very original, unique, and especially if it's a limited edition, I think this could be a nice watch to have. Uh, we had an opportunity to also to see uh, these watches in person when we go, went to New York and uh, uh, visited at uh, Francois's uh, booth at uh, Watch Time. Uh, they're just fantastic watches, and I think they're worth every penny you pay for it. So that's that's a little kind of review of the watches. I just want to see what you guys have, uh, what you think of this, uh, Kevin. Yeah, I like it. La Belle Noire is cool. They had the Louis Erard uh, as well. Re uh, Francois did share it. Yes, everything has that retrograde. He's a fan of clusters, as you mentioned. Um, but this is a great way to have something a little bit more fun. And, you know, there is a buzz around character watches. You see it with the Gerald Genta, the Mickey Mouse. There's been a lot of those coming out, the character watches. There was a great article out there, if you guys want to look it up, on even a Hodinkee on the on the evolution of that, the, the, the original Mickey Mouse watch. So there's always this fun aspect to, to, to uh, character watches. And I think this one um, really gives you the opportunity to get that really patented i think it's a 124 piece module that was created for that retrograde added into that movement that uh, the Teresa wall put and it gives you something a little bit more fun and exclusive as well for not a price point that's going to cost you tens of thousands of dollars so I, i give it a great thumbs up keep it up francois give us more stuff like that i i'm i'm not a big enough fan of popeye but uh jealous of his forearms i guess <laughs> is it the exactly. tattoos that you want uh that you're missing or maybe his beautiful uh, chiseled looks <laughs> <laughs> exactly no but what i mean is that but but i like a, a, a cool character watch i think and it's gonna be very niche right it's gonna be very it's got to resonate with someone so um but yeah he's definitely on the right path i i really like it yeah i, I think it's definitely a great great watch carl um one thing i really like about that watch is the dlc on it it's gray and it's kind of satin finish and the color of that gray is under the radar gray It's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, Absolutely. It's like just perfect. It fits with the dial as well. Uh, so when you look at the watch uh, on the pictures, it almost feels like the dial, the the character really like pops over uh, out of the watch, like over the dial, over everything. And the fact that the case kind of match, but that under the radar gray is really like a, it's like a, a stealth bumper, right? You don't really see it. <clears throat> so for me, that's a big plus. And also... You know, Reservoir has a really good place in my heart because of the branding and the way that they do all their cluster-based watches and everything. And one day I'll own a Reservoir. I'm pretty sure about that. Great. Very good. All right. Um, yeah, so I'll just quickly mention a couple of other things that I did over the holidays. 
uh, I was listening to just different uh, episodes of different podcasts and one, a couple of them stood out specifically actually I've been listening to Scottish watches and you know shout out to them they I really I'm really been I've really been enjoying what they're producing recently uh, some really interesting podcasts uh, one of them where they had um, uh, the cre- the is the owner of the Bangalore watch company so it was very interesting to hear about uh, you know how let's say watch industry was starting in India and how what what, what hoops they did they have to jump through to be able to yeah. get it running and how India let's say did, was never really kind of into in the uh, doesn't have a history of let's say high quality uh, watchmaking luxury or actually yeah exactly so it was very interesting to see how you know they were the breakthrough or maybe the, the first company to, to to go through this and to see if that will ever stick and if they will find the market uh, so I highly recommend it. I think one of the later episodes in December, and uh, another one was actually also from them. I've listened to the one with uh, when they interviewed uh, Nico from Pride and Pinion, and it was mm-hmm. actually really, really interesting to kind of you get to hear the story behind the guy, and you know he's pretty. They think he's pretty open and very honest. It seems, right? He has that very like uh, very let's say charismatic persona that he puts on uh, YouTube, but. Uh, in reality, he seems to be very similar to what he is, and he's kind of stands by the fact that, you know, he is, you, 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 he, you get what you see. Kind of, he's, he's all that, and he doesn't hide behind his some occasionally strong opinions and uh, controversial maybe at times. Quite interesting to see where he came from and how he got uh, to what he is today. Very cool. Yeah, and the Bangalore Watch, I did do a review on one episodes back. I re- reviewed the release in 2020. It was one of our first episodes. They're affiliated to the actual uh, uh, Air Force there, and they we created watches the same color, swatch color of the uniforms themselves, so it's this light blue. It's not because they're jumping on that bandwagon. It's because that blue actually is part of the Air Force uniform from the Indian Air Force, and it has a lot of nice cues as a pilot's watch. So really check them out. Yeah, Bangalore is very cool. All right, let's get started. Let's get into what we regret. All right, so uh, I will get us started. In my watch enthusiast, uh, say, journey, um, there was a watch that came out in 2018. I had the chance to actually buy a Jaget uh, Lecoute Master Control date. So this was a limited production that came out in 2018 that had sector dials. Oh, boy. There were three watches that came out within it. There was a regular three-handed uh, timepiece. There was an example that was a chronograph and another one that was a, a geo-location uh, watch. What it meant was it had a it was like a world timer watch. Um, why didn't buy it? While it spoke to me, I was like, this is very good. I remember when it was announced at Basel World, it was a it was a fifty seven hundred US dollar Jaget Lecoutre, three handed one. I did not ha- quite have the appreciation that what I was looking for in terms of sector dials. I didn't have a chance to 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 uh, appreciate it enough. And it was only a year later, I believe, or that same year, Longines also released a sector dial military inspired watch that kind of also took the the watch world by storm. Um, the only GLC that I had on my mind at that point was the Reverso, but this one was limited and that amplifies the regret because it was limited and it was a very short period of time. So essentially I had a year to decide. And here's the other thing. This is a little bit of the lesson. So it's limited. You don't know how long they're going to have it for, and it's something that you may like. So 
what is the real risk? The thing is, is that when you're going to make a purchase at that price point of 5,700 US dollars, you're like, ah, oh, this isn't chump change. This isn't something you just have lying around, or it isn't something that you were just willing to spend just like that. But I've come to realize that my lesson is that you, you need to sometimes take chances because the actual risk isn't that large. There was a large investment and that really made me pump the brakes. So I think what's important of this one is to make sure that your, your short list is clean. You're managing it when you're ready to do the hunt because these curveballs can happen and you need to be ready to say, you know what? I'm going to take a chance. This is Jaget Lecoute we're talking about. It's not a micro brand that was selling 100 pieces. This is GLC that was selling something limited. And, you know, lo and behold, this watch is now selling for about 10K Canadian on Chrono 24 used. So where was the risk? Oh, I don't like it. Okay, I'll wait a year or two. <laughs> then when they're not making any more, I'll make a little bit of money off of it. And not even with the intent of flipping it. You know, it's just at least there's no financial risk. Maybe it's oh, I didn't like it. Maybe it'll take put some pressure on your on your watch, um, you know, wallet and what you want to be able to buy. So I think my lesson learned to that one was to make sure that your list is nice and clean and make sure that that you understand what the actual risk is, it's because curveballs will happen, and it's okay to sometimes pull the trigger. If you and ask a friend, ask people around you. Say, "Hey, is this a, a bad thing I should be doing?" Is it, is it like bad? it's like a, that that TV show, like call a friend when you <laughs> yeah, have a choice? <laughs> Depends which friend, because sometimes I think that I'll call someone. It's gonna give me the answer that I want. <laughs> Versus calling someone to be like, "Stop spending money." <laughs> Don't yeah, call me again. If it's, it's a, a real different. friend, or if it's a, if it's us, if it's me, uh, Diva is just like, "Do it, buy it." <laughs> like, but I did tell but you look, what, what, you, what the watch was. <laughs> Buy it. I don't care. Just do it. And a good example was was that sub. You know, I had the Milgoss, and I was like, okay, I bought the sub, and I was like, I can't, you know, justify both. So I, then I sold my Milgoss, but I took the time to say, no, I'm going to buy it. It's a good one, and then I'll I'll sell something else. Or it, that was the money I had set aside for this watch. It's fine. I'll buy it now, and I'll sort it out afterwards. You can because you can just turn around and sell it afterwards, right? Yeah, yeah agreed. I mean, if it's not... So that, um, was my, that was my first uh, regret that I had there because I think I might have actually kept that watch. I really like it. Yeah. Uh, and now I still lust over that Longines sector dial now. I think I put that in my collection, maybe. Um, I'll go next because I think the uh, <laughs> my story is similar-ish as a, a watch that exploded in value. That's my only... Uh, today is going to be my only story that's regarding dollars. <clears throat> um, do you have a similar story on your side? Um. Well, go first, and then I'll add to yours. Okay. Cool. Um. So I've talked about that watch uh, in the past, being that uh, they stopped making it and they should have br brought it back. So I'll I'll go quickly over, uh, the story behind that watch and what why I should bought it. So it's a Speedmaster. It's an Omega, and it's the uh, tiny tiny version of the Speedmaster. Uh, I still think they should bring it, uh, brought it back because they. They could. There's nothing stopping them. Not even like, like a, they're not even under contract when they did that. Uh, so the Speedmaster Tang Tang is like a, I think unique just because the dial is different. Uh, you can find the red and yellow marking uh, at the diameter of the dial. That's the same uh, white and red that you can see on the rocket that Tang Tang used to go to the moon, right? Uh, so they they last launched the watch uh, Basel World in 2013. Uh, the two years. Prior to that, they were in discussion with the owner of the Tang Tang Comics, 
to brand it as a Tintin watch because he went to the moon and there was a whole marketing behind that. Uh, but Tintin, the team right. pulled out just before they launched the watch, so they were not able to call it that. So they just launched it as a Speedmaster with that color scheme on it. Uh, the big thing is, for the two years that it was in production and available to the public, it didn't sell. They only sold 2,000 units. Um, so as most stuff that goes and they don't work well at first, they exploded later on, right? So when I started to look into that watch, it was 2019, 2020, and it kind of doubled in value. So for its launch to 2019, it sold for 5 to 6K, more or less MSRP. Uh, 2019 to 2020 is sold for eight for a rough one, 10k for a good one, and that was about the time I was looking into it. Uh, I was like, oh, you know, it's it's cool, uh, and now I understand a bit better why I like it. Uh, but now those things, those watches, are they went up 400% value for really good edition. So right now the average is like $25,000 Canadian uh, for a just a Speedmaster that has a red and white dial. That's it. There's nothing so, else about it. So buy it, buy it. Yeah, yeah, well, at 8K, I should have. That's the, right, uh, same reason that I was looking to it. I, I was debating it and I just should have went for it because I un- even then I understood that it was a limited watch, right? It was like 2,000 units worldwide. It was not planned to be limited edition, but it kind of get to be limited edition because of no one liked it back then. Um, but looking into that, you know, that was my favorite Speedmaster. That's top num- number one. Uh, now I'll have to go and buy my second favorite Speedmaster. <laughs> Which uh, is what? Uh, it's the uh, Grey Dial MK40. So the triple date. And those that didn't explode in value yet, I'm saying that right now, you can buy some for like yeah, $4,000. Yeah, wait, wait for it to explode and then start to look to buy it, you know? <laughs> exactly. But the thing is, Odiki already did the, their piece on it and they already have their limited edition that was like a new version of it. The same color scheme, right? And it didn't explode because I think uh, uh, they're a bit unloved because they're a triple date Speedmaster. That's the the reason why I think. I don't think they're okay. going to double in value like pretty soon. So that'll be my okay. next purchase. Um, and while, while I was writing about that and looking into it and looking at a different Speedmaster, I think I, I might have a soft spot for a, do- a dark dial with some aesthetics and color on it. Like Mark Olive Booker, right? It's now it's patina, like kind of gray, like rusty, but there's a section that's like baby blue and there's a red marking only on what on one spot on it. Uh, the tank thing is a bit the same idea. It's all black and there's only the white and red. The MQ40, same thing. It's all gray and there's light blue, there's light yellow, there's red on it. Uh, so I think I, I might have a soft spot for contrasting colors like this on the watch. <clears throat> so yeah, I should have bought it because I would have triple in value under my ownerships versus the time I said, ah, oh, I should buy that and today. Fair. Yeah, that's Very a, good. It's a good one. I'm a, I have a soft spot for Speedmaster, so I support, <laughs> no I support the decision. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my, okay, I, I'll go with my first one that's kind of has a similar story. It, it's uh, the reason why I kind of not not really looking to buy it now is because the price increase has is making it less and less appealing. Uh, and this, but this one has more of a sentimental value. The absolute value price is not very high. It's, it's. I consider it to be the first watch for me that made me fall in love with the watches in general. So that kind of like ignited my watch enthusiasm. It, it, this was the the first, let's say, jerry can of kerosene that I threw in the fire, <laughs> right? That really made it explode. 
Uh, <laughs> that was, Jerry Can was a shout out to uh, Francois from uh, Reservoir. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so <laughs> also, this was the. Uh, I like the what? image that your passion for watches is a fire, and that watch was equivalent it, of multiple gallons of fuel. <laughs> it has to be. It has to be destructive, Carl. Uh, so. It, this I'm sure you guys already know this one. This is the Seiko SKX. Uh, one of my first watch, I, one of the first watches that I've owned uh, is the SKX 007. I when I bought it, I didn't like it at the beginning, to be honest. Uh, and then it grew on me within like I don't know 15 minutes of wearing it, and I was like mostly wearing it for a, for a little while. But then I sold it because I think I, I think I, I bought a Speedmaster, and I was just like, okay, I, I just you know I really upgraded my investments into watches, and I got I just felt like I needed to get rid of other ones. Um, so I sold it very quickly after purchase, purchasing the Speedmaster, and I I've never lost that sentimental value, like the, the feeling that like I just have to have it in my collection. It's the watch that kind of started it all for me. It and I I was trying to I was like you know what I, I'm gonna kind of like my my enthusiasm is growing. I have a lot of I, I like a lot of different watches. I want to shop around and buy and own other different types, different brands. Uh, I'll get back to SKX right uh, for a long for, for a long time it was available and then you once they discontinued it in 2019 uh there is still you know you go on your websites you could still find a lot of the the new old stock uh, they were very similar prices and i kind of kept looking at the prices like yeah that's fine whatever i 300 bucks 400 bucks whatever i'll get it doesn't matter no, it's like 700 and then <laughs> boom now you can't find it for less than a thousand <laughs> yeah and not only you can't it's uh like not it's not, not only in the price there's not a lot of options like uh, there's only a few websites where you can find it uh, so, because if you want to buy, let's say, a new one, uh, you know, you're pretty short for options. And this watch, you can even own the 009. This is the one that I want to actually get. I don't want to get the 007. I want to get the 09. That's, uh, I'll sell it to you if you want. Well, for, for, for the original MSRP? Yeah, sure, I'll take it. You heard it here, guys. You heard it here. <laughs> it was a gen- gen- it's a gentleman's agreement. Oh, thank you, Kevin. <laughs> oh, thank you, Kevin. Exactly. You're welcome, Dimitri. <laughs> oh, thanks, Kevin. Why did you start talking like that? I don't know. It's I just bonding, to, uh, legally bonding. I thought, that's how you sound. That's that's your voice, no? That's how I sound. So, hey, man, I'll sell you my watch. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, this watch... <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it, it's a good watch. I really love the Seiko Divers because I like the that stamped. Well, not stamped. I, I love the engraving of the Great Wave of Great Wave of Kanagawa in the back. So yeah. this watch has it, and I find it super cool. I actually don't have a Seiko in my collection right now, and it, like it, it has an old movement, the Seven S Twenty Six. Uh, there's nothing particularly crazy. It doesn't have a sapphire crystal. It's a hardlex crystal, right? So like, if you're buying that watch for a thousand dollars, you're really not buying the. the the, the, this for anything else other than the uh, the sentimental value, uh, f- like for in terms of a value proposition, it's not that's not it, right? Um, but it's just there's something about it. Like I saw it uh, at your house uh, last month or something when we were getting together, and you had the SKX09 that's a original, right? That wasn't modified in any way, and it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful watch, and uh, a friend of mine also just bought the uh, you know because they were replaced by the Seiko fives, and now they have a lot of different types of collections and Street Fighter, the one that uh, Kevin loves the most. Um, my favorite <laughs> the Blanca yeah the Blanca <laughs> uh, you know the, the, my a friend of mine just uh, bought a bunch of watches and he one of them was the Seiko 5 which kind of does look like the, the 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 SKX 07 I think except that it has like a very dark navy dial and the, bla- and the black bezel it's beautiful it's just a beautiful watch anybody who's we think starting their watch collection should 
Like, not even think twice and get themselves a Seiko 5 right now. Uh, not necessarily like a special edition, but just a standard one. You can find them in even department stores uh, at at really good discounts. But yeah, that's my fa- my first regret that I wish I, I pulled the trigger earlier because now when it's a thousand bucks, the appeal of buying it is kind of, you know, it's it's, it's I'm losing it. I'm probably going to do it at some exactly. point anyways, but I, I hope I'm not waiting long enough where it's, you know, double the price from, from a thousand bucks. Well, well, you know where you can... Well, borrow one for a long time, right? Yeah. <laughs> the time you're at Kevin's place, you go, oh, look, there's like a bunch of watches. You just Oh, look, somebody stole at- your watch. <laughs> it's it's on your wrist. <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> look over there. <laughs> uh, no, if you're interested, I'll, I'll make you a good deal. But it comes with um, upgraded... Uh, sexual, okay, I thought, thought you were sexual favors. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're past that. Okay. After the STD oh. incident, no thanks. The, the, the incident Great. of the summer 2019. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the STD pandemic. Wow. Um, yeah. You were you were the first one, uh, patient zero. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Had to be amputated. Um, so I'll continue in that vein because it's it has to do with Seiko. You know, and in the watch collecting journey, I think that it's, we also, like Dimitri said, we start getting into this idea that's like, hey, um, I'm I'm not going to invest and go with um, maybe something that's more affordable. I'm going to focus on saving up and getting something great as well. But you got to always keep a little bit, I would say, some budget aside to be able to make a quick, rash decision. So there was Seiko came out in collaboration with Rowing Blazers. It's, a, it's part of their new Seiko uh, 5 sports watch. Rowing Blazers is a preppy, uh, very expensive uh, clothing, accessory, uh, home kind of like lifestyle rugby a feel lifestyle brand so the asian guy uh i think his last name is park he's like this comedian who's like does the tv show blockbuster and uh, he Mm -hmm. was in the the um ant-man as well yep so he's he he sponsors this watch as well so they came out with this like these these rowing uh, these rowing blazer editions this is the dress kx one not the 5kx the replacement to the diver so came out with a you know, a nice baby blue, an old bright orange, a green, and then this other black with multi, like, um, looks like flags uh, as part of the... Um, indices? Um, as part of the indices, that's right. So it's like this monogram crown. It has a steel bracelet, but it also comes with this really cool uh, uh, NATO band that comes with it. Um, and it was it all came designed by their creative director, Jack Carlson, right? So... Uh, they did a partnership with Seiko. So this is a, a fucking cool watch. You know, that's what's really fun about it. And uh, the watch was going for 585 euros. So I was like, what was the risk? But I didn't uh, really jump, pull the trigger on it. I'm like, oh, another bright Seiko. And now the watches are selling for well over MSRP at a ridiculous rate, uh, up in the thousands of dollars. And it's 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 too bad because, yeah, it is a Seiko. And it's a, you could get one of these if it wasn't rowing blazers for $200. I just saw on, on, on Boxing Day, Canadian uh, from the Bay, you know. So mm. it puts a little bit into perspective. So I think it's really, really cool. So what I'm saying is as you grow into the hobby, don't forget to make room for some of the small independents, the small, uh, maybe the smaller purchases, because you can get some limited editions and really fun stuff that like Dimitri says, you know, brings you back to this nostalgic moment of what, why this whole hobby started all about. Don't let it become beneath you. Don't forget about those brands and how they made you feel. Um, yeah, because uh, 
that's what this whole hobby is about, is enjoying the actual timepieces, not always having to get the most uh, expensive, uh, you know, brand or watch uh, out there. Uh, I think we should eventually do an episode as well on collaborations because I like this collaboration. There's some other ones. We're talking about Reservoir doing a collaboration. We're talking about... So I think we should do an episode on collaborations, what we think about it. But I think it's fun. And, you know, we wear a lot of expensive watches. We have a big collection. But this one has a, you know, brand heritage, a cool factor, and it's stunning and unique for, you know, a weekend watch. So that was my second one and my lesson about it. So, Carl... Both went with Seiko's. Yeah. I'll up your game with talking about Grand Seiko. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so the watch I should have bought, still ongoing, uh, and it's a GMT. So I, I think a GMT has to be my next purchase. Uh, and, you know, I'm currently looking for my next watch, as uh, as we all do uh, always, pretty much, right? Every waking hours, we're looking for a watch. <laughs> Every I time I have like, nothing to do... Uh, I like go on Chrono 24 and look what's good. Um, but for some reason, the GMT for the, I can't for the life of me decide on which one I want. <laughs> I narrowed it down to Grand Seiko. Uh, and my first crush is for like from the Grand Seiko, like GMTs is still on my short list. And every day I look into different GMTs and they're all Grand Seikos or related to that. And, Still go back to this one, but I didn't pull the trigger yet. <laughs> so I'm talking about the SBGM221. Uh, so that's the ivory dial uh, in 39 millimeters with the blue um, and for the second time zone. Um, it's automatic. It's a 9S movement. Uh, 39 uh, millimeter is 46 um, lug to lug. Thickness at 13.7. Bandwidth at 19. So, you know, it, those are pretty dead on for specs. Uh, and it's a Grand Seiko, so they'll never do 20 millimeter bandwidth. It's like 19 or 21. They don't give a <laughs> too shit about that. Uh, but I just felt that that design really um, like embodies the classic uh, like elegance line, um, and also there's a buck buck shaped sapphire crystal on top of it. There's Zaretsu polish uh, for the lug. It comes on a brown leather strap. You can also get the uh, bracelet, but I don't really like it on the bracelet. Um, and the blue hand is uh, blue steel that has been eating, uh, eaten by their so masters other. at Grand Seiko, right? It's a really beautiful watch. Um, the only thing that's not good about it, it's their water resistance. On the Grand Seiko website, uh, they say um, splash resistant. So, you know, it's not better than a Speedmaster and that's not a really high bar to beat. So that's the only bad side of that watch. <laughs> Moisture ready. <laughs> right. But the thing is, I still debate between this one or the limited edition that's a green variant that's pretty much the same value on the um, aftermarket. Uh, there's also a blue dial in the sport line that's quartz. It's a bit cheaper. Uh, or there's an I-Beat version with a gray dial. Uh, it's an elegance line. That's the SBGJ219 uh, with the red um, second time zone hand. So I'm still debating. I, sh- I should just like buy the ivory, right? I should, like, I should have bought it months ago. But now I'm like all stuck in my collection because all my money is in my collection when I had spare dollars that should just have went and go for it right uh, they're not ex- well they're right. not expensive they are expensive but they go for 4.5 to 6k and the MSRP on those ones is $6,000 <clears throat> um, so yeah when I had money for my watch purchases I should have just went and pulled the trigger because right now I'm just turning in circle looking at the same watches again and again and trying to decide which one's going to be the next I should have just like 
you know, remove mm-hmm. the pain away, buy it, and look on for the next purchase, not being stuck on a GMT watch for like months. It's a good uh, problem right. to have, though. <laughs> yeah. You're not trying to like so, survive, right? Uh, it's, uh, trying to choose. Dimitri what gave next me an STD, buy. and you're like contemplating which GMT to get. Oh, I thought you gave me the STD. <laughs> I thought it was a what is like a mutual thing. No, no. I'm like pretty you, sure mine is not like as strong spider, as yours. Spider-Man moment. Wait, so I what? So I I Spider-Man in you? Is that is that what happened? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so you pe- yeah. you petered my Parker. Yeah. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So Carl, you're done. I'm assuming <laughs> we can yes. we can move on <laughs> yes. with our show. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So uh, my second one is uh, it, it's a bit different. I think it's not necessarily. Yeah, it's a bit different from the first one in terms of like it's not the price that made the difference. I think it was uh, during the let's say the first couple of years of the watch enthusiasm, uh, your tastes they change c- quite quickly, and it just happens. So obviously, you can never own everything you want to own. So you have to decide whatever you want to buy that watch or this watch, um, and then. Uh, as your tastes evolve and at some point there are certain brands that you keep looking at and then you end up never buying them and uh, and then that train kind of go passes and then you never really want to buy them anymore so the watch specifically that i'm talking right now about is from zin it's the zin 104 stsa uh i with the um uh, uh without the, uh, the with the, without the numerals indices. indices yes um that was Again, like when I, you know, initially everybody was watching uh, uh, TGV's video on YouTube and he was, you know, always talking about the Zen 104. And I really, really liked this watch. I really wanted to purchase it. But at the beginning of my watch enthusiasm, uh, that wasn't the price point that I was ready to spend. So I, you know, I was focusing on like the Seikos, SKXs and and uh, such. And then kind of very quickly, uh, I think I, I've upgraded, let's say, my budget. and. Uh, started looking at maybe more, started exploring my, more uh, micro brands and uh, other similar brands that offer something similar to Sin. I never stopped liking Sin, but it's just this watch was on my shortlist at some point, and we all, all of us have like a shortlist of watches that we want to own. And then at some point, I kind of just removed it from there. I realized that as much as I like it, as much as I always keep kept looking at it, I think my watch enthusiasm evolved now, and not necessarily it's not necessarily an evolution, but it's changed enough that. I just don't kind of look at this watch as something that I would want to purchase in the future. And again, like there's nothing against Zin. Zin, uh, you owned that uh, 104, Kevin, uh, a while ago. I did. Way before I even got into watches, so I kind of didn't really care about it. Uh, but uh, like, there's nothing to... This is a great watch. There's, you can't really fault it. It's a, It has... You know, it's a, it has a a, a solid uh, Swiss Celita uh, movement. It's a, I think it's a two... Yeah, it's a 20-bar watch. Uh, originally, officially, it's a pilot's watch, but it kind of does look a bit like a diver to me. Does everything. Uh, it's it's a perfect, you know, it's just like the Zen Five Five Six. It's a perfect perfect watch uh, to own. Um, maybe like out now that I'm looking at it, I would say it's a bit too tooly for me. And again, that's con- con- considering my current tastes. Uh, but it's a fantastic watch for anybody to have in their collection. I don't have any call to be honest. What did I uh, buy instead? Maybe I bought my Seiko SPB143, which is a very similar price point, and I kind of wanted the Seiko more than the Zin, and maybe that was the yeah. reason why I never kind of ended up. I never ended up getting the Zin, but 
it's one of those watches that I always keep looking at, but I just feel like that, you know, the bus has left the station and uh, I'll probably never buy it again. You know, Zin is like, I, I, I've said it, they're like always the bridesmaid, never the bride. They, in a lot of ways, they make great watches and the prices went up because I'll just give you, tell you something, you'll be like, that's crazy. But when I bought my 104, I think I paid, and this is from an AD, I paid like 990 US dollars. It's double the price now probably. No, I think it's like 1500 US now, but that's still a big increase yeah, yeah. for relative to the price. Um, but Zins are like indestructible and I have a nice spot for Zins. They're, they're, they're good for an enthusiast and you know, they're an independent brand. So I, li- I like that. I think it gives it a lot of appeal and you want German made watches. Uh, you know, uh, it's also a, cool that, you know, it's brand. one of the few ones that are, that's a German that's not from Glasute. Uh, there's not yeah. a lot of those either. There are, and, there, and yeah, it makes them, yeah. it makes them, you know, different. Have a look at Dekla, uh, Forz, um, Archimedes from Forzheim. There, there's a few out there that, that, that can be looked at. They were cool. You're right. That, uh, and this is, uh, yeah, not from Glasshood. You're right. All right. So I'll jump into my last one. And so this one's a little bit out there. And I think this is, um, you know, something I regretted. So a very niche. I, as my, my collection, my tastes have changed. I, I really, really like, uh, the designs of a specific watch, uh, an independent, uh, micro, we'll say luxury brand. There's Alexander Shorokov. So he's a Russian. I think he defected and left to Germany. Uh, I don't think defect is the right word there, but he's left and he's now in Germany. So, um, he made uh, an avant-garde watch called the Candy with a K. So it's like a very, it's a square watch and it kind of looks like Alice in Wonderland on acid. Um, I had the opportunity to see it in person. You should have seen this thing. It is so well made. The attention to detail that Alexander Shorokov puts on his watches and all of his watches are very ostentatious. They're super big and loud and almost a little bit gaudy at times when you look at his collection as a whole. But I saw this piece, unique, sitting in the window, and it is such a cool timepiece. It is something where you see the, the, the level of finishing, the dial finish, everything's just so wonderful. What I pulled back on was, I'm never going to wear this watch. When am I going to wear this? I tried to make sense of it, to rationalize it, but sometimes, and there's my lesson, I think sometimes you can't think more than, oh, I like it. If you really like it, it's okay to 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 then put in give it a spot into your collection. Maybe, you know, I'll give you an idea. There are, there are two Casio G Shocks that I really like that just that came out in the last couple of years. There's the Full Metal G that's all gold, <laughs> and then there's the Casio Casioke that they came out with one in Bluetooth, but the the whole case and band is a bright yellow. Like, that's fucking, it looks so good. This looks really cool. But I'm like, I'm never going to wear that. So I haven't pulled the trigger on it. I'm never going to wear an all gold thing. It's very R2-D2 or whatever, C3PO, one of those uh, those robots. But this one is, not to say it's, it's, I think I could pull it off maybe, that Shorikov. It has a lot of colors. It's still on my short list. I think you could still get one for under 5K. And it's something that, it's so unique. You'll never see one out there. And that's what I love about it. But it's very bright. And sometimes you can't overthink it in terms of, oh, I don't know if I'll ever wear it, da, da, da. But I love it so much. If you really love it, make place for it in your collection. Really think about that. And it doesn't really matter what others think. It doesn't matter, you know, um, 
I would say it, it doesn't matter what others think. The one thing I will say, consider, because I, I think about this as well, is what your lifestyle is. If you're someone who's out there and you work outside with your hands and is, don't, like, a dress watch is tough. I'm serious. It's, and it's no offense. You can get a dress watch. It's fine. You just don't but have like, the opportunity to wear it. I have two watches. I have two watches, but I don't wear it when I'm working. I, I wear, you know, my dress watches. Um, or luxury watches that can kind of go both ways. But I have some really tooly watches. Like, I don't think I could wear a Pelagos. I could because it's, yeah. It's, the new it's Pelagos pretty versatile, Pelagos. <laughs> but uh, I, I agree with you, though, on this point. When you buy a watch, I, and I, for myself, like, think of your, you have to really think if you are going to wear it or not because if it ends up sitting in your watch box, you know, like, then you probably will try to sell it What's again point? very quickly. Yeah. Um, exactly. Dress. But anyway, I like this watch a lot, the Alexander Shorecroft, the candy, the avant-garde candy, it's called. So it kind of looks like Alice in Wonderland on acid. They have like a rose gold case, a steel case, a DLC case, and then a whole mess of colors. So all made by hand, beautiful watches. I saw it in person, really beautiful. It's like it's like artwork at that point. So I think it's really cool to be able to get something so unique and artistic at that price point that doesn't look like anything else. So my lesson to this one, regret, is, you know, if you have to make room in your collection. And that's why I think I'm attracted to the character watches that you were talking about before, Dimitri, as well. It's good to have fun in this hobby. We can't forget to have fun. That's my last one. Carl. Uh, just a quick note on that uh, watch you're talking about. Yeah, you're right. It's pretty in an intense watch to look at. I would, I could never read a time on it, though. <laughs> Like, you, you don't wear it you, you don't wear it to read the time you wear it because you have like a small art piece on your wrist <laughs> and you gotta look at it for a long time to read the time yeah <laughs> like I look at a bunch of pictures and on some pictures I don't even see the ends <laughs> it's crazy though it's so unique I find yeah, yeah. like you, you wear that and someone asks you the time and you just go ha ha <laughs> you continue walking <laughs> yeah <laughs> just laugh laugh does it look face. like I'm wearing a watch <laughs> Uh, and you slap them. Yeah, <laughs> if you but um, that watch is gorgeous. Like if you look at the case back, I think it's if I'm looking at the right one, it has so the cool, exhibition like. case back, and it's also crazy colors. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's it's beautiful. Like I would say the case back to me is even more beautiful than the dial, but the dial is amazing also. It's 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 beautiful, but it is like you have to wear like somebody asks you for time, you you have to carry a glass of water yourself at all times. So if somebody asks you for time, you just spill it in their face, just like how dare you? Don't you yeah, know who I am? You do is you take a sip, <laughs> you take a sip, and you spit in their face. You go, oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> time, time, it's a construct, and you leave. Yeah. <laughs> Wake up, sheep. What am I, a watch scientist to you? And then leave. <laughs> Uh, so my last uh, right. watch I should have bought, uh, I should have bought a dock set the first time I saw one. Uh, so, yeah. Kevin, I remember that you showed us your dock set. It was 300T, right? Aquamarine? That's right. Um, and I just remember, you know, I was like so impressed by that small company that I, uh, I knew almost nothing about. Uh, the watch felt s so much for that price. It was like the specs were beyond impressive. The dial colors were really insanely good if it's not perfect uh you could anyone with that wants a diver that you can find a color for your taste uh the history of doxa the the sub after that is like the one of most interesting on the market today uh wanted one so bad but i felt it was a bit too intense to go and buy this exact same watch as kevin i was like ah, you know it was like the collection between all of a group of friend is you know what's something that's funny is it's a 
different and we can experience a little bit of everyone uh, all the watches between all of us right but um, you know uh, at some point i think kevin had so many watches that you buy any watch and you will have the same one that Kevin already has it. <laughs> oh yeah i got but, that one yeah, but it sold everything yeah, you probably you know, end up buying a, a watch chance. from Kevin anyways, even if you buy it at the store, because, you know, it's... Yeah, but also when I first started my collection, I, I think I, like, I bought two watches back-to-back from Kevin. So I was like, ah, you know, it's a lot of stuff from Kevin, or having the same thing is a bit too too much. I remember I just, you know... Hopefully I he pulled made back money. Buying, I, I pulled back on buying <laughs> the Doxa, because I look at the, at the colors, and buying one would have been the Aquamarine as well. Um, so, you know, fast forward al- almost two years, I think, more or less two years, right? I think that was the early pandemic or just before pandemic uh, purchase for you, Kevin. Um, yeah. So fast forward two years, I'm in New York. Uh, the Doxa I'm crushing on is the new Doxa Army. And you know what? They have one in Hudson Yard at Watch of Switzerland. So I purchased the bron- bronze bezel with the green insert. Uh and something I didn't think was going to happen happen is I love the watch, but the more I wore that watch, the more I fall in love with that watch. But not like in, like not other watches that grew on me, this one really grew on me. It was like visceral. I really love that my Doxa, and I'm like wearing it right now more Bacteria. than any other watches. Right now, I don't even wear right, my Pelagos yeah. as much. Right, but you're still probably the having Doxa. The, the honeymoon phase, right? Uh, it's it's not it hasn't been that long yet. Right, I, I just like you and, and Pelagos. It's hard to separate those two words. <laughs> Carl yeah, for sure, and for sure. Pelagos, Pel- it's like I, one word, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Pelagos has a like permanent place in my collection. Uh, you're right on that. But you know, for my birthday, you guys got me the 50th anniversary uh, book of the Doxa Sub. Yeah, I went through it uh, like in two days, uh, and it just fell even more over like my head of, for, in love with the sub. That watch is so cool. <laughs> Dox, Dox is just like the ultimate diver's brand. Like it really is. Like it's crazy. And I had it on my in the episode where I say one watch under a thousand to start your collection. Like I was a Doxa. Yeah. But I spoke about why it's really awesome. So, you know that that thing is. I should have bought a Doxa the first time I saw one and wanted one, even if it was the same exact model as you, Kevin. Right. Um. Like, it wouldn't have been though. I had the three hundred T. You would have gotten three hundred. Yeah, no, so worst one yeah. at all. Uh, a shitty, a shitty <laughs> one. No, no. It would have been the. It's T less tooly. Well, it was more classic. I, I prefer the three hundred. Actually, I shouldn't have gotten three hundred T. Anyway, it would have been really, really similar. And I just remember not doing it because of the watch existing within all of us, right? The BBC collection, let's call it. Uh, I just should have went for it because the way I love my Doxa Army today, I should have been a Doxa owner. Two years ago, <laughs> and walk my way towards the. Good thing I today. shared it in the episode as the. Oh, that's the the watch that uh, from the from the releases, right? Yeah, and, and you know, funny enough, I went through the whole book you got me, and one the last watch it, that it's talking about in the book is the Doxa Army, as being oh yeah like a really niche Doxa, and they expect it to be the next big release from them because the book is like end of twenty eighteen, I think, was released. Something right. along this line because it's 50 years, right? 68. So, uh, so it's kind of funny that you know the book was right right after that they released it because it's not from Doxa, it's from a big collector of Doxa. That book, um, so yeah, that's my last story. Just you know what, that because you see it from on someone else, it's okay that to have the same thing as someone else, just go and buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally agree. Uh, I agree. I think that's the other thing that you know, if you have friends that own watches, you don't have to have a different one, you can buy the same one. 
there's nothing wrong with owning the same thing. Uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. you get so much enjoyment from actually buying something that you end up wearing all the time. It's it's uh, it's non comparable to let's say cases when you know you quickly lose interest in the, in the watch and end up selling it and putting it back on Chrono and maybe losing money from resale. Um, my last one is I tried to also it's, it's also a little bit of a different kind of scenario. This one is. Um, uh, this is a, a Zenith El Primero, so it's a chronograph that you know, from a very historically significant brand. The chronograph itself is amazing. The movement, the El Primero movement, is just something that I I have to own at some point. Uh, the reason why I, th- I think I kind of regret not buying it is because uh, very quickly my watch tastes grew into like from you know from loving like Bauhaus style minimalist watches to like. I have to have all the complications, right? So, like, I needed to have, like, like a, I wanted to have a chronograph. And uh, the connection to history led me to obviously choose the Speedmaster, which is what I purchased. That was my, that was, a, that was the one that I picked. I feel that uh, the Speedmaster is, is, you know, I've had it for since, I don't know, four years now almost. I don't think I'll ever sell this watch. It's like, it's also, there's also a sentimental value because it's my first big watch. And I, love everything about the history i love the fact that it's like an old movement and uh you know it doesn't have a sapphire glass it's a hesalite and like there's a lot of things about this watch that shouldn't be as value as valuable as as it is but it's just for some reason it's a it's a combination of the of all the parts that makes it what it is and love that watch it's a amazing 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 piece but I think the problem is, is that I also love like other chronographs, but I just don't have time right now on my wrist for other chronographs. So if I owned a Z- El Primero first, for example, which is a bit more expensive, but if I owned a Z- El Primero, it would have been easier to part with it maybe and then purchase a Speedmaster eventually. However, I don't see that going the the other way around now. Not at this time in my watch enthusiasm, right? Because it's still, it's a, it's a, it's a, almost a twelve thousand dollar Canadian watch, right? Plus tax, it's a, it's a big, it's a chunky investment, and they don't necessarily hold value the same way as other brands. So, um, you know, at some point maybe in my life I will own this watch, but it's not be, it's not going to be anytime soon, because there's a lot of other watches for significantly less money that I would like to own before, and, uh, but I, but I kind of wish maybe that I pulled, did it differently a little bit that way. Or maybe even a, a Navitimer. Uh, but I'll focus just on the El Primero because I absolutely love the original El Primero. I'm not even talking about the Chronomaster, which with the Chronomaster Sport that was released a couple of years ago. That's absolutely just amazing. Uh, the, the, the El Primero classic. The tricolor. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the, the three like, different color subdials, uh, it's, just so, it's just so amazing to me. And the movement itself, the movement is insane. The only little thing that I never really quite liked is that i don't like the date window it's just it's that's it like if it was just not there it would be imperfect uh, but it's still not enough for it to deter me from wanting to buy this watch and that's it that's it's kind of you know you know yeah, like there's a lot of different chronographs for similar price points that are maybe historically significant amazing watches you you have to pick the one and then the other ones will probably not be purchased after that and uh, exactly, you, you know, if you do it very differently, you could potentially kind of play your cards right and end up owning everything, which is something that's never going to happen. <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah. So that wraps up this week's episode, everyone. We really hope you didn't regret joining us this week. Tell us what your regrets are. Send them to us in the comments. Um, so on that note, we'll wrap this up. 
and we will see you next week. Cheers. Ciao, buddy. So if you enjoyed this episode, please reach out to us on Big Black Clock Official on Instagram or email us at bigblackclockteam at gmail.com. Send us your pictures, corrections, ideas, insults, and let us know if there are any pieces you want us to review. With, of course, the caveat that we can afford them. As always, be good to each other, eat good food, have some drinks. For those of you always watch shopping, happy hunting. Thanks for spending time with us, and we will see you next week.